Welcome to the Extraordinary Women Podcast, and I am so happy you're here. I'm Sherry Harmel, your host for the next 30 minutes or so, and you must be an extraordinary woman if you're here listening today. This is the place where we have conversations about relevant, current, and important topics for today's women. From finding that elusive balance that we all seek, to clearing out the stuff that we no longer need in our lives. Those are our conversations and not much is off limits. The mission of the Extraordinary Women podcast is to give you ideas, inspiration, and even hope that your dreams are absolutely possible. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Extraordinary Women podcast. I'm Sherry Harmel, founder and editor of the Extraordinary Women magazine, the must-have digital magazine for women looking for inspiration, tips, and support to create a fabulous business or just a next chapter. In a nutshell, for women who are ready to make their dreams happen. In the Extraordinary Women magazine and podcast, we hear stories of women who are not celebrities, but women like you and me who have chosen to create and live lives of true authenticity and passion. We focus on the doing, the making, and the creating. This magazine is for women who are taking action on their dreams. But the magazine is much more than interviews alone. Like this podcast, it also has coaching tips, ideas, insights, and even a dose of inspiration to help you to create your big audacious dream. Life is short, so let's get started making this our best year ever. Well, today I'm in conversation with Margaret Gay. She is the founder and CEO of 27 Teas, a tea company that she started in 2018. 27 Teas is a loose-leaf tea company that provides delicious teas, tea blends, and even some herbal varieties. Now, her company ships anywhere in the United States, so join this growing U.S. tea culture. Margaret began her career in the corporate world, working for a defense contractor in their leadership program. She's a graduate of Syracuse University, the Whitman School of Management. She knew she wanted to start her own business and made lists of things she loved and was passionate about, but she just couldn't settle on any one idea, and maybe some of you can relate. But she's a tea drinker, and she was continually disappointed by the tea that was offered by her local cafes. That's where she finally got her idea, which was to start her tea company. Margaret kept that corporate job, though, and worked nights and weekends on her idea until after a year, she knew she was ready and she quit her corporate job to work on 27 T's full time. Margaret shares incredible nuggets of wisdom in this particular conversation as she explains her journey to start and grow her company, the special challenges of an entrepreneur and how to keep moving forward. I'm going to let Margaret share her story with you. I'll stop talking, but she has nuggets truly of wisdom to share with you wherever you are on this journey. So let's get started. Hi, Margaret. Hi, so nice to see you. Great, great to see you. I shared with everyone a little bit about your bio, but I am so excited, truly, to hear about 27 T's. I'm a tea drinker. I have my tea right here. Wonderful. Yeah. So I want, but I want to hear where this all started because as I read in your bio, you came from, you know, this very corporate structured, you know, training and then worked for a defense contractor um, in supply chain. That just sounds all corporate to me. Um, (laughs) So share if you can, how this, how this happened. Yeah, so I went to school at Syracuse University. I wanted to do something in the business realm. So I did three different majors because I had no clue what I wanted to do. So supply chain, marketing, and entrepreneurship. Undergrad? 
This is for undergrad, but I had no clue what kind of business I wanted to start. It seemed very overwhelming. Um, So I did the responsible thing after graduation and got a job so I could pay off all my student loans. So I did take a job at a defense contractor in a leadership development program. And yeah, so that was really great out of college. They provided a lot of different leadership roles and also education and higher education as well. So they did pay for me to go back to school and get my MBA, which was a great perk. So working there was fine, but I I always kind of knew I wanted something else, something more. You said something at the very beginning about you wanted to start a business. So were you always a bit of an entrepreneurial thinker? Maybe a little bit. I don't really come from like an entrepreneurial family. Mm-hmm. I, I come from two parents that worked like the same place their whole career. My yeah. dad's a little bit more entrepreneurial. He kind of like would do some little side businesses from, from the house kind of a thing. But I never really did anything like as a kid. I didn't even have like a lemonade stand. I never <laughs> had that kind of a thing. But I don't even know what kind of sparked that interest in me. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's just seeing like the lifestyle that some entrepreneurs have and like that time flexibility. I won't necessarily mm-hmm. time freedom because mm-hmm. people that own their businesses typically put more work in than the nine to fiver type person. But I wanted that flexibility and I wanted to really be passionate about something. And I kind of felt that the best way to do that would be to be my own boss. Okay. So time was the motivator initially, even though yeah. you found out later, which we'll talk about what is it like to be an entrepreneur versus, you know, a corporate executive, very different. Yes. <laughs> Time, but time was the initial motivator. But then what happened? I mean, somewhere along the way, tea happened. So I was kind of just feeling unsatisfied in my job. And I I was like, there's got to be something else. I obviously, one of my majors was entrepreneurship. I want to start a business, but I have no clue what I want to do. And I kept kind of like kicking the can down the road. It was actually on my my 27th birthday. And I was talking to my husband. I was like, this is it. I'm gonna, I'm, I got to pick something. I got to just do something, <laughs> even if it's just to get the ball rolling and to like get my feet wet and figure it out. I need to do something. I just need to be passionate. I need to have joy and happiness. I need that back in my life. So let's start with something that I really like. I really like tea. And I really hate when we go to a cafe and you get this awesome locally roasted coffee and I'm stuck with a tea bag that I could have bought from the grocery store and I pay almost the same price. It's like, wait, I feel like I just got a McDonald's burger at a fancy steakhouse. Like the the quality doesn't seem to me. I want to help bridge the gap for the tea drinker because I feel like I'm always shortchanged. So I was like, I see that there's definitely a gap in the market there for tea lovers. And it's something that I really enjoy. Like, you know, maybe start dabbling and mixing some tea blends and see if I can enter this space. So it was my 27th birthday and I was messing around with, you know, what could the, the name of the business be? I decided, what about 27 teas? Like I'm 27. This is going to be the year that changes the trajectory of my life. It was almost a motivational thing for myself too, which is kind of funny because I was like, if I name it 27, it's got to happen this year because next year I'll be 28. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it'll be a little embarrassing for myself. So in a way it was my own personal way of making sure I get out of my own head and get out of my own way and just make it happen. Like stop making excuses for yourself and just do something. If, if this doesn't turn out to be the end all be all, at least like you have gotten your feet wet and you've mm-hmm. entered that realm and, and explored what it is to be a business owner. So yeah, started dabbling with mixing um, and blending teas. At home, pretty much? Yeah, so I, I did a lot of research online and a lot of learning through things that I found online and started the business from there. And it really took off. And I found that there's such a need in the area for more tea options. I found so many tea lovers that were like, oh, Tivana and the mall closed, but I have all these this equipment and the things to make the tea. And I have this infuser that someone got me, but I have no actual loose leaf tea. And I was like, perfect, come on over to me. Yeah, so it just really took off and it's been a great success and it keeps building momentum. It's it's just been awesome. And I did quit my corporate job about a year after starting the business. I was doing them both at the same time for a while. And then I quit and have been doing this full time since March of 2019. So it's been almost four years. That's crazy. There's so many lessons though, I have to say, Margaret, in what you just shared, because 
so many in our audience is women, obviously, and women of all ages. But sometimes we get stuck in what is it I'm supposed to do? I want to do something, but what is it I'm supposed to do? And then we do research and listen to people. And sometimes all that feedback gets in those in the way of what you describe, which is what do I like? What do I enjoy? And what kind of is upsetting to me? You know, uh, if you had had great tea everywhere you went, you you were you'd still be a tea drinker, but you'd never thought of creating a tea company by any stretch of the imagination. So go back to that's a word of wisdom. Go back to what it is you love. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, one of the the big hangups for me too was how much I was making at my corporate job and. Mm-hmm. Mm. what that kind of work was as a defense contractor, you're doing very meaningful work, very elaborate work Mm -hmm. as a company. And going from that to blending tea, I feel like some people could be like, you're doing what? And and, uh, like, how much tea are you going to have to blend to make your current salary? And (laughs) and people get so caught up in the money part of it, or like, wait, so you're going to blend tea, which is like not a life or death thing. And before you were doing something that really was life-changing for people and it made a huge impact and I think sometimes people get caught up in the ego of some of that um, and and think like well yeah I might be passionate about it but that's not really important or whatever so I think it's really just like you said finding something that you enjoy in the day-to-day because if you're not enjoying the work whatever kind of work it is yeah then what's the point Yeah. No matter how impactful something is on a significant scale, you know, defense contracting is multi-pronged and obviously very large from a scale standpoint. And uh, and yet you you knew you had to start your tea small. But what did you, like what you just brought up, did people say that to you? Like what kind of support did you have? Did you have friends? that were with you on this or friends that said, Margaret, you're crazy. What about your husband? What about your parents? Yeah. Yeah. So some people I think definitely thought like, okay, you're crazy. And I was married at the time. So I did have the support and the financial support of my husband. And I think some people thought, oh, she's, she's just going to quit her job. And this is like a hobby. And I still feel like sometimes I get that, like, really, she's just doing this to, as as more of a, I sometimes I feel like people don't necessarily take it as seriously because they don't see that maybe they're not a tea lover and they don't see like how big the business has become, or maybe I'm creating that story for myself. That's an which which is something I always try to remind myself is maybe the comments or things that people say they're saying things because they don't understand the entrepreneurial life or they don't understand what it means to be a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, or the ins and the outs of, you know, this is, this is my first baby. You, you give life to this yeah. thing. Um, and it's so much work and time and effort. And unless someone has gone through that process or been very intimate, you know, close to a person going through this process, you might not understand, but thankfully my husband, he pushes me more than anyone. I mean, he was the one who's like, just quit and just do it. And so he is last night, he was up till like 10 o'clock at night doing research for me, trying to figure out some email stuff. So, I mean, he's just like the most supportive partner. I think it would have taken me a lot longer to go down this path if it wasn't for having a partner. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because a lot of people don't have a partner. And I don't know if I would have had the guts to do it if I was going it alone, which, which is sad, but I do recognize that. And I do recognize the privilege that I have by having support of loved ones around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beautifully said. And also sometimes we have partners, but the partner would rather that you stayed in the high paying corporate job with all the bennies than working as an entrepreneur, which we all know takes, seems to take a lot more time. You're never finished, right? As an entrepreneur. Yeah, never, yeah, never finished. And and one last point I, I feel like I want to make, because I think it's so important yeah. for anyone out there trying to start a business or thinking of it is I always knew that no matter what, I have a solid educational background. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a degree, I have a master's degree. Sometimes people don't realize like, okay, if, if what's the absolute worst case that could happen? This fails okay, then what's my plan B? Either my plan B is I figure out some other business or I go and work for someone else while I'm figuring out the next thing. I'm an employable person. So the option to start a business isn't necessarily that scary because there are backup plans. 
Um, And I know it's not easy to find a job necessarily, but I think always thinking about what's the absolute worst that could happen if I made this leap and and took this next big step. Sometimes you realize it's not that, that big of a, of of a thing. Like let's, let's do it. Let's go all in. Let's try it out. But it's interesting because you said you didn't immediately quit your job. Um, your full-time job, you were doing both at the same time, kind of trying to figure out, you tell me, what were you doing in that year that you were working in both places, basically? Yeah. And I definitely didn't have things as polished in the business um, because it was hard to do in your spare time, you know, your nights and weekends, but really I was just focusing on the, the basics, like trying to find some customers, trying to make SEO work on the website, things like that. But once I was able to quit, things just skyrocketed because I was actually able to go, this is in 2019. So this is pre COVID world. Mm-hmm. I spent four days a week at markets, whether it was like a farmer's market or um, artisan markets. And I got right in front of people and I was able to get their feedback on the products, the branding, the packaging, the flavors. I was able to go back and tweak things. I was able to start my mailing list, which has been huge because I was getting, you know, right in front of the people. And that year of going crazy and working a million hours paid off tenfold, especially the past couple of years where I wasn't able to get in front of people. But that I attribute to the growth of my business is by putting in all that sweat and, and hard work. Um, FaceTime, you know, FaceTime. That yeah. Real. And I, that that's the part that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't had quit my job because I spent okay. so much time, obviously I wasn't making as much money, but I spent so much time getting in front of people and building my brand um, once I quit and that's what changed everything for me. Okay. We're going to go into the weeds a little bit here, if you don't mind, though. Um, because when I think of myself, let's say, if I wanted to start a tea company, as an example, I mean, I could research about teas and whatnot, but I, I wouldn't know how to how to go from the idea to actually even bringing something to an artisanal fair or a farmer's fair or whatever, so that people could test. How'd you know how to do this? And what were the steps? I don't, I was really intimidated by all that actually. Yeah. Um, Cause I was like, I would be too. It, you know, how do you go about even getting into a farmer's market or a fair yeah. or, you know, what kind of things do you need to bring? And I just really started researching like, you know, how, how do I go about marketing and and branding myself and getting in front of people? I knew that I needed to do that. And I figured farmer's markets were kind of a cheap and easy way to do that. And started reaching out, figuring out, Googling, like, what are the things I need for a successful farmer's market? So (laughs) really it's this, it's the Google university. I always joke, but it's like, there's so much free, amazing information out there of people who have done something similar to you and most of it's all free and you, you can learn yeah. a lot. Yeah. A lot of trial and error. And then now everything runs like clockwork and I know, you know, how, how to set up markets and fairs and I know how to do a blending of a tea and to add flavorings to tea and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, I was very intimidated getting started doing all of that. But all that was self-taught. Yes. Okay. So you didn't go to tea school. I did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> There is not. Maybe that's something down the road when you're my yeah. you'll be creating a tea school. <laughs> yeah, my my husband and I we did go to Thailand and we were able to go to um, a tea plantation area and we were able to pick tea leaves, which was really neat. And they're not one of the bigger producers of tea. We just happened to be in the area, so we made sure to to do that. Yeah. Um, but at least getting into that culture a little bit and physically seeing them make the tea and, and pick the tea was a really cool educational experience. So we we have had that little experience of physically being somewhere. Um, but unfortunately, I have not been able to do more traveling um, education well, to, yeah. to figure. Yeah. Well, no one's been able to. So whether yeah. for fun or for education, you you purchase tea, correct? You purchase the leaves. Yes. Everything I use is pre-dried. Yeah. So I'm in New Hampshire and um, my facility does not have, I don't have a drying, like a dehydrator um, process. So everything I do buy has already been dehydrated or most things actually don't grow in the United States or don't grow well here. So like tea leaves, 
primarily don't grow here. So I do source those um, okay. using both like brokers and middlemen that are located here in the United States for sake of faster delivery. Um, and then I recently did start purchasing direct from um, a tea distributor in Japan. So um, that's kind of the next step I've taken is really trying to get direct to source as yeah. opposed to using um, kind of the middleman, although it does increase like the, the shipping times and things like that. Yeah. yeah, And cost. So what's the culture of tea? And actually I'm going to back up because you made the comment at the very beginning about how people were like, you're going to start a tea company. I mean, how crazy is that? But you're too young, but I'm not. I remember when Starbucks started, it was kind of outside of the box. It was like a coffee shop and we're going to go in there and sit and talk. And, and here we are, how many, you know, what, 30 years later, or 25 <laughs> years later. I mean, it's incredible what that has done. So why not with tea, but talk to me about the culture, kind of the tea culture of America, because it's not like Great Britain. No, yeah. So, so I studied abroad in London for six months. And so I really got an appreciation of the tea culture in Europe and all over Europe. I've been to a lot of places and it's so different than here. I was actually just talking to another current student at Syracuse University who's from Europe and they're inventing a special tea infuser. They have a patent out there. And he was explaining to me, he's like, it's so weird here. You can't just go to any store and buy it in bulk. Like in Europe, it's it's just so different. So we were commenting on, yeah, the, the culture is so different. And actually 80% of the tea consumed in America is consumed as iced tea. So America is a iced tea drinking culture, typically not hot. So I think that's why there's so many more limited options is typically when people are going out, especially to a cafe and spending money, they want something that isn't as easily made in their homes. So they want something with you know a latte, some sort of frothed milk, something that's a little fancier. And with tea, I feel like people are just like, oh, well, that's something I have when I'm sick or that's something I have in the evenings. And I have a lot of customers who they specifically buy just caffeine free tea because they are coffee drinkers, but they do love their herbal tea in the evenings. Okay. Um, so I do have a bunch of herbal blends as well as tea blends, but I think that's why there aren't so many options in the United States. But I mean, still there's, there's a ton of tea drinkers. They're just, for whatever reason, they just haven't been catered to as much as the coffee drinker. You, so it's an interesting culture here, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and America is so big. Do you find different tea, um, how do I want to say it, almost likes and and dislikes at different parts of the country? I haven't noticed that yet, and I do now get sales from all over the country, which is really great. I haven't noticed trends based upon region, but I do obviously notice seasonal trends. Um, people love oh. the apple and the pumpkin kind of things in the fall right. or like the, the peppermint and stuff in the, in the winter. So there definitely is a big trend with that. And then I do try to educate people on iced tea can be any tea. A lot of times, if you go down the grocery store aisle, you'll see something that's like, oh, this is for iced tea. And I'm like, well, yes, you do need to take maybe some different consideration in preparing your tea when you're making iced tea, but you can make any option in, into an iced tea. So don't let like the branding of something fool you. <laughs> if right. it tastes good cold, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I do spend a, a lot of time trying to educate people on how to brew it really, really easily at home and they can do any flavor they like. Like don't, don't pay regard to what the marketers are trying to yeah. influence you with at the grocery store. Didn't I read something about the fact that during COVID you started to do online something online sessions or teaching sessions or pulled together a bunch of different other artisans and makers and I did some virtual markets that were really popular and now I think I'm just going to do it at Christmas time but I think that might okay. be what you're referring to so during COVID I did I think three that first year virtual artisan markets and they were really really popular I made sure every different artisan gave a special dealer discount to the, the customer for that market period. And they were like three or four day markets. Um, so it was a really great way for people to get some exposure to new small businesses. Cause a lot of people do want to support small. They just have a hard time finding them. Yeah. You get lost in Etsy or you get lost in Google. If you're trying to Google for a local maker, it's really yeah. hard. So just any opportunity I can to bring together different makers or to, for me to meet other makers is always really fun. Yeah. That's really an interesting point though. 
because I like to support local. But as an example, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to get in the car and drive to your farmer's market or your artisanal market. Um, yet I, I would love to see what's there and and have the option that I could order online. Why not? So that's kind of an it's an interesting idea, like travel. It's almost like travel. Travel to an artisanal fair and buy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite tea out of curiosity? <laughs> the chocolate peppermint bark is my Ooh. favorite, right? It's been my favorite for a while, but I just, I have it all year round. I don't, I'm not limited to a Christmassy, like winter, winter drink. That's one of the ones that's my go-to. Um, just, I'm always trying new blends and things. So a lot of times I don't actually drink my own blends that I sell on the website. Cause I'm always trying something new or I'm trying out new inventory, like shipments of products from another distributor or whatever. So yeah. That, yeah. that is the one that I always keep in the kitchen and I'm always drinking that. Yeah. I love that. So say it again. So everyone can hear it. Chocolate, Chocolate peppermint bark. It's like the best of all worlds, quick. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. And no sugar. So you can have your little yeah. chocolate chocolate taste without all the bad I'm stuff. I'm order some, actually, when we get off. You have an MBA. You came from the corporate world. Your undergraduate is in business, all business. Did that prepare you, do you think, to be an entrepreneur? Or are there skills that you have that you take with you no matter what you're doing that have been especially aligned with being an entrepreneur? My husband and I were just talking about education the other day um, and how higher education we feel is so important specifically at that time in your life when you, you need a growth period. You can't just go straight from high school out like into the real world. You, you just have a lot of growing to do. And I, I think the trait that I have is I still want to grow and I still want to educate mm -hmm. myself and I'm not afraid of going out and finding it and wanting to grow. Mm -hmm. I sometimes think higher education, all the things you need to do to get a degree can seem kind of daunting and not necessarily are things that I use today. So in that regard, we were kind of saying it, higher education is an interesting thing, but there's so much you can learn. And like that same $10,000 you would spend at a semester at school, you can start a business for $10,000 and learn 10 times as much as you'd learn from a whole degree. In my opinion, it's an amazing use of your time and your money to start something, even if it's just a part-time thing, because you'll learn and you'll grow like the website building skills that my husband and I have learned because we've kind of started and dabbled in a bunch of different things. Even if the first thing didn't work out, we have those skills now that we can continue to use. We know how to use WordPress. We know how SEO works. Like we, we've learned all that, but it wasn't through a school. It was just through us learning and YouTubing and figuring it out and talking to other business owners. And once you figure it all out for the first time, the next time you go to do something, it's so much easier. And then you can learn so much more on that next venture. So I think just the constant willingness to learn and to grow is the one thing I take with me. But I, I do think there's a purpose to the education, but it's it's an interesting thought and, and thing that we are having a, a conversation we were having the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also you and your husband are still young, so you can remember school, put it that way. <laughs> and some of us are, you know, were we there? Yes, we were. So I bring that up because sometimes some of the people who may be listening to this call have done other things in their lifetime. They might have, you know, gone to college, all of that, um, worked in corporate. Maybe they're checking out of corporate after a long corporate career, or maybe they stayed at home and raised children. And now they're trying to kind of, I hate to use the word reinvent, but it's like change. Now it's my time. Now I can start something that I've been thinking about for so many years. And I think it's really important, and you're sharing a little bit of this, but I want you to be even more direct as to what are the skills that you absolutely had to have in order and embrace, this is how I'm going to make this happen, so that it doesn't, the idea just doesn't stay in your journal, doesn't stay on your bookshelf, doesn't stay in your conversations you actually get started because I'm going to push back when you said a willingness to learn. You were beyond a willingness to learn. You were committed to learning. You, It's like this intense, it felt like to me as you were talking, this intensity 
to learn more and do more. Yeah, I think one of the things from the very beginning that I did, whether it wasn't really knowing it or not, but by setting the name 27 T's because I was 27 and I didn't want to be kicking myself at 28 being like this never happened. I think the other way you can say that is set a goal, put it on the calendar, say, okay, by this day, this will happen. Even if it's just a little milestone. Okay, by this day, I'm going to register my business with the state. Okay. Black and white, that is it. It is happening. By this day, I'm going to go to the bank and open a bank account. That's it. It's happening. By this day, I'm going to join this, this women's group or this Facebook group that is going to be people that I can network with. And I'm going to commit to at least once a month, reaching out to another business owner and brainstorming or asking them a question or just getting to know people in the space, just putting things like that on the calendar and, and just saying like, it's happening. Like I'm doing it just like you'd have a meeting at work in your corporate world. Right. I can't skip this meeting with my boss. I can't skip this meeting with myself. I'm, I'm my boss here in this situation. I must show up and I must do it. So kind of being, being hard on yourself. And if you can find someone to help you be accountable, whether it's your life partner or another business owner or a friend or someone that understands what you're trying to do, writing down the things that you don't know and you need oh. to learn is also good or people that you can find that do know how to do it. Yeah. Um, and I started my business bootstrapping the whole thing. I, I paid for everything. I didn't um, hire anything out. I didn't even pay. I still don't pay for like the Canva membership. I still just do like the freebie version of everything. <laughs> But I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, like now there are things where I don't have the best skill. I don't, I don't have the best social media skills. What do I want to be outsourcing and asking for help to grow the business? I think kind of knowing what those weaknesses are that you have or things that you don't like to do, and then yeah. trying to find people to help fill those at some point or find yeah. the education you need to get better at those things. Kind of making that list is really yeah. helpful. Yeah. Really? Well, and going back, you said something, making a list of what I don't know that I need to know or hire somebody who knows it or ask for, you know, somebody to help me for whatever it is that I need is really key because sometimes we get caught in, you don't, but sometimes those of us that are starting things and have started things over and over, we'll see a pattern where we avoid what we don't know rather than write it down because by writing it down, you acknowledge, I need that. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so, and like, the, like, what are the most intimidating things about this new venture of mine? Mm -hmm. That's also a good thing to write down. Like, the biggest thing for me was all the health things. Like, okay, I this is a food business. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what am I going to have to have for labeling and for production facility space? Mm -hmm. And what's the state requirements? And all that was so overwhelming to me. But find someone who's done it just to at least say to you, don't yep. worry, you can do this, <laughs> even if that's all that they say to you. And then you work through the steps, kind of recognizing what's intimidating and what's stopping you from moving forward is also really helpful. Love that. Now you mentioned, I want to reach out at least once a month with another business owner. Is that something that you did from the very beginning? I did join a couple online groups, uh, like Facebook groups that are local to the area so that I would have the opportunity to meet them in person. Um, one of them at the time met every once a month on Tuesdays. I don't remember exactly now, but they did meet in person and that was great. So I got to meet people that I still work with today, like my food photographer I met through that group. So that really helped me not feel as alone because when you're starting a business, especially if you're starting it by yourself, it's just you. You don't have any coworkers. <laughs> There's no one else to, to feel like you're collaborating with someone on a project or having that camaraderie. So that was really important to me at the time. And obviously the past couple of years, things have been a little different, but by at least having those relationships started or finding them online and, and building them there. Now I'm in a couple different groups, one that meets, we have like a mastermind that we, we talk every other week and it's mainly product-based businesses, which is really helpful. And they're all local to New Hampshire. So I have met them in person, which is also really nice. And then another mom's group um, that meets once a month and they're all business owners. So that's another cool group um, that now fits my demographic of young female mom. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how does that, how does that impact you? Yeah, having those two two groups, what difference has it made in how you feel about yourself and how you cope with the, truly the loneliness, even if it's you and your husband working in the business, you know, there's only two people. It's not an office full of people to interact with. 
Um, yeah, it, it gives me so much energy. And so my husband still works full time at his job um, and just helps me on the weekends and nights and things. But I hear him downstairs all day in his office and he's talking to people and I'm up here like, I wish I haven't spoken to another person all day. <laughs> so yeah, I can get lonely or it's really easy to get distracted and go mm -hmm. off on a tangent doing something that's not as important as another task. So having those people, especially like my mastermind group where we say, okay, in two weeks, like what's our goals? What are we going to have done? And we just hold each other accountable. Okay. It's really helpful, but it also just fills my cup. I, I get so much more energy out of like meeting other people and being like, yes, you get it. Because a lot of my friends don't own their own businesses. So it's, it's mm -hmm. hard to connect when this is such a big part of my life with people who definitely don't get a lot of the things that I'm, I'm going through on a day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I hear entrepreneur after entrepreneur talk about it in that way. I also hear more than once have heard the concept that starting your own business is like having a child and, yes. <laughs> um, and the child kind of grows up. Sometimes they're still at two, like a two-year-old child and um, not, not from the years that you're actually in the business. I had one recently say, you know, I can't wait to see the child grow up. She's referring to her business to grow up, expand and leave the nest. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> it's all levels. But how do you take care of you and all that? Because you do have to shut down sometimes, you know, shut the door of the office, even if it's a home office and say, I I'm going to leave this. How do you take care of Margaret? And that's been like an ever changing thing too, because I had a baby almost a year ago. So now adding mom to the title of, mm -hmm. of things that I do throughout the day has, has been a new thing to navigate. Hard. Uh, trying to come up with a hobby we were joking my husband and I like he plays the guitar so he can pick up his hobby just like for five minutes you know whenever he wants right. on a whim but for me I'm like I don't do instruments like what do I do but um I do pottery so I have made an effort to really continue taking pottery classes and it, not every week but um pretty frequently I I do like right now I'm finishing up a 10 week course once a week, go and get out of the house, see other people, get into a creative space, mm -hmm. not be a mom, not be a business owner, just be a creative. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I feel like that really fills me up too and, and gives me some new energy. So that's yeah. finding just a little time, even if it's just like an hour a week, that's something different. Um, yeah. is really helpful for me. Helpful. And also keeping a schedule. I always wake up and I work out in the morning before doing any business Okay. and then get to business after, and then ending at a reasonable time to have dinner, be mom, yeah. yep. have family time, do that sort of thing. So you really hold to a schedule as yes. you create it and then stick to it as though you're in an office with 50 people. Yeah. And that's kind of ever changing too. Like I said, in 2019, I was working like a crazy person. I was always going to events and, and things like that. So I was working all kinds of crazy hours. Having a mom has definitely changed that and made specifically the events I attend. I'm much more purposeful in choosing them. I'm lucky that I'm at a point in the business where I can pick and choose what I go to. But I do know too, like it's got to be worth my time to be away from my family, which has really helped me narrow down on what's worth my time, which is a good thing to focus on too. Absolutely. Uh, it, and it, all of it is priorities. Life is priorities. What do I want to do and when? Naming your company 27 T's. This is something I have to do now. It's a priority, you know, and suddenly you were making it. So tell us about where 27 T's is today and where you see your company going. What vision do you have for this child? <laughs> Yes. So overall, my vision is I really want to change the way that people in New England drink tea and envision tea. I want loose leaf to be the norm in this area. I would love for the tea culture to be much more like Europe, where it's super common to have great tea. So in doing that, I really want to expand. I'm hopefully going to open up a little shop soon. Right now it's an online business only. I don't have a retail shop. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find a space, which is, that's been the trickiest part. So navigating that. Um, so I have nothing to report right now, but I am working yeah. through some options for space to move to. But then besides that, we really want to grow our wholesale portion of the business. It's okay. grown exponentially the past year, but we'd like to continue doing that so that we can fulfill like that, that reason why I started the company to help bring delicious awesome drinks to cafes. So the tea, the tea lover can walk in and find this awesome matcha latte or something with butterfly pea flower in it. 
um, something really cool that they wouldn't normally have at home. That's my goal is that I, I can walk into a cafe and order something. Cause right now I walk into cafes and I don't order anything because I feel like it's not worth it for me. <laughs> no, those tea bags have been there for a very long time in most cases. <laughs> so, or the water you get is lukewarm. Um, and that you're supposed to pour over your tea bag, but talk also because you're you're more than just a tea company. This whole Thaw Water project I thought was just fascinating. So, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So when I was starting the company, that kind of goes to what was I searching for? I was searching for more joy and happiness and purpose. Mm-hmm. And I figured when I'm starting a business, what would my dream business look like? And it would be something that's more than just a company, something that um, can also give back and do more and be more. So I did want to add a social aspect to it. So I picked water as my charity of choice because you can't make a cup of tea without water. And it's something so many people don't have access to. And unfortunately, a lot of women and children pay the price and have to miss out on school or um, have to go and collect water for their families and can't do other things. And being a a woman and a mom myself, that that really hits close to home. So that was something that I really wanted to help change for other women and children. Um, And I picked the Water Project because actually one of the women I met when I started reaching out to different organizations um, in the area for networking, she worked for, or she, she had done some creative work for the water project and pointed me in their direction. So it's great. Cause they're headquartered in Concord, New Hampshire. So this was back in 2018, 2019, I was able to actually go visit them and they are so open and willing to share all the information about the different projects they're working on. The visibility is amazing. They, they show the status of the projects. If something's broken, what they're doing to fix it. It's not just like, hey, let's go throw money at a thing and then walk yeah. away, right. uh, which is something else that was really important to me. So mm-hmm. since starting working with them, we've given to three or four different schools. I've always picked schools as the project because I really want to help kids. And it's more than just water. They also help with sanitation, education, um, so hand washing, latrines, things like that, which is so important, making sure that I'm doing something besides just starting a business. But it's also important for me now, especially being a mom, knowing that I'm helping other kids because I would hate for my child not to have access to those basic human rights. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Wow. So people can... Go to 27teas.com and you order. Do you order? Is it bulk? Is it uh, tea bags? Because I think there was something about tea bags that you mentioned too. So, yeah, so there's um, four, there are three different sizes a one ounce, a two ounce, and a four ounce. Each ounce of tea is a little bit different depending on the type of tea, but you can expect between like 12 and 18 cups of tea worth of tea per ounce, and you will get it loose in one big bag. So then you'll have to measure it out. I do suggest that people measure because oftentimes you think you're using a teaspoon, but it's actually a tablespoon and you don't want to crowd your infuser, whatever you're using. I have um, a couple different infuser options on my website. I have a basket option, a ball option, which is kind of what people are typically familiar with and paper single use uh, tea bags options. So you can fill a tea bag yourself if you want to use a a tea bag, Mm -hmm. but I do love the stainless steel option. It's so much better for the environment and better for your body. Um, and then you can reuse loose leaf. So you can make two, three, four cups of tea out of the same tea leaves. So don't just make one cup of tea and throw them out. Obviously you want to use it within the same day or two. I wouldn't, you know, keep them on the, (laughs) keep them on the counter and use them a, a week or two later, but that's another great perk to loose leaf is this much higher quality. You can get more than one cup of tea out of the tea leaves. Yeah. You can purchase there. I have free shipping on orders over $45. Otherwise it's four fifty for shipping. I do try to keep it somewhat reasonable. Yeah. Um, and all the different flavors I have are available there, but if you are local to the New Hampshire area, I also have a list of where to find us and it shows the different shops that and cafes that sell our tea right now. So you can okay. shop in person if you prefer. Yeah. Yeah. But our audience, so you know, is really across the country. And so therefore not concentrated um, in New England. Excited to reach more people all over. Yeah, Yeah. We ship ship all throughout the United States. So that's no problem at all. I love that. Absolutely love that. So so are there directions for somebody to actually, because I'm asking this crazy question because I got the wild idea I was going to buy loose tea. This was like a year ago. And so I bought loose tea because I I thought, what's the big deal? Because in America, we like everything that's easy and simple and 
you know, the loose tea sounded like it was going to be a whole process, which it is more of a process than just dunking a tea bag in a in hot water. But the flavor was incredible. The difference of loose tea versus a tea bag is entirely different. It, at least the tea bags that you buy that are pre-made and okay. have been on the shelf for a period of time. But do you tell people how to make tea? Because many of us did not grow up in households where anyone, you know, taught us how to make tea. Yes. So when you order, you will get in your bag a like how to getting started little four by six postcard. And it, it kind of gives you the overview, but it's very simple. You measure out your tea. The instructions are in the back for the tea to water ratio. Okay. Measure, put it into your tea infuser, put it in your cup pour hot water over on the back of the bag of each different type of tea. It tells you how long to let it steep. There are different steep times for tea. That's also one of the reasons why I think a lot of people don't like tea is because they've brewed it incorrectly, specifically green tea. If you let green tea sit in hot water for too long, it'll get bitter. So a lot of people think, oh, I just leave the tea bag in there the whole entire time I'm drinking. You can get away with that with black tea, but you really shouldn't do that with green tea because especially if it's an actual high quality, like a loose leaf, it will get bitter. Or if you put it in water that's too hot, like straight boiling water, you want to not have it quite boiling, let it cool down for a few minutes. So yeah, all those instructions are on the back of each bag and then in that little getting started guide. So it's very very easy. It's once you've done it once, it's like, oh yeah, I don't know why I ever use a tea bag. Right. This is so much easier. And well, there's no plastics. A lot yeah. of the tea bags that you use or you find at the grocery store are made with plastics and that's, they break down in the water um, and that's not good for your endocrine system. So oh, wow. better to stick with the stainless steel so much yeah. better for the environment because you can compost um, the, the tea leaves when you're done, as opposed mm-hmm. to those tea bags with plastic don't compost mm-hmm. very well. No, no, definitely not. And also it's wrapped up and each bag is, is in a, is in another bag that's in, mm-hmm. covered in plastic. Yeah. Probably. So there's all kinds of issues. So I always close with the question, what makes you happy? You know, what is it that you absolutely have to have in your life to be happy? My partner and mm-hmm. more than just that, the deep conversations, I think mm-hmm. life would be so boring for me if I didn't have someone to talk big, to dream big, to Mm -hmm. have deep conversation with. I value the conversation we have so, so much. And I tell him this all the time. I was like, I love the conversation part about us the best because it keeps me excited and interest, you know, interesting. We, we really try to focus on having unique conversation and that's my number one, I think. Wow, that's that's incredible because it's something that also carries with you throughout your life and makes you happy every day to put your feet on the ground and get out of bed and go, what's what's in front of me? What's ahead? Yeah, yeah. Nice to always be thinking and dreaming. And yeah, I think that's the big thing that keeps me happy, even if you know you're not making as much progress on a goal or something mm-hmm. that you have, um, being able to talk and, and dream and think um, and have those conversations really sparks the energy again. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Margaret, for your time. Thanks so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Oh, it's been fabulous. And so many tips. And uh, I I hope everyone's listened because there were all kinds of nuggets of wisdom there from the beginning to the end that Margaret shared. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Go to 27 T's. T-E-A-S. Okay plural.com and I'll make sure that that shows up in the show notes also so it's great thank you to get to it so thanks for your time Margaret thanks we'll talk soon thank you everyone for joining me today wasn't that fantastic Margaret's suggestions and as I call them nuggets of wisdom were amazing and many of them actually I'm going to be using myself Now, if you want to know more about Margaret and specifically about Margaret's company, just go to 27Ts, that's T-E-A-S dot com. And you will also see that link in the show notes. So if you liked this conversation, please give us a review. It's very important to us as well as to the algorithms, of course, that we know what it is that you like and, and get your feedback really important. And do come back for more. So let me ask you, 
How is your year going? Are you ready to do it different this year from any other year? Well, the Extraordinary Women Magazine Circle is just what you need if you're committed to this. You're committed to making this the year that you get started on that dream, the business, the project, or just the next chapter. But you're going to take action. You're going to move forward. We are always in the magazines highlighting two extraordinary women, as I call them, but they're not the famous or the celebrity, but women like you and like me who have stepped into their big dreams and they have created that something special. And yet I say we are all extraordinary women who are doing ordinary things. In our April issue, we've got something new that we just started, and it's at the request of our fabulous subscribers. I added a whole lot more of coaching tips into the magazine because that's what they asked for. And I love that our subscribers tell us what they want. And the feedback was loud and clear. They wanted more of what they could apply and use in their own life and their own careers. I think you'll agree. Now, I've been a coach for over 20 years, and that's why I've added into the magazine some of my best actionable steps, strategies, and even exercises that you can use today. So if you're a woman ready to get moving on your big audacious dream, go to ExtraordinaryWomenMagazine.com and join us. Thank you for your precious time today. You know, your time is the most important resource you have in creating your dream life. So thank you. Now, I'm currently in Paris, so I will say abiento. And to everyone back in the States, see you soon. Thank you for listening today. If you want to hear more, just tune in every Monday for a new episode. And if you felt this podcast was helpful, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any conversations and that you also get notified when we have special gatherings. If you liked this episode, please share it with another extraordinary woman. And if you have a moment, I very much appreciate you leaving a review. Now, if you want to hear more about the Extraordinary Women magazine, which includes much more than just the magazine, reach out to me via social media or join us at SherryHarmel.com. I look forward to our next conversation, and I hope you do too. 